Hello, and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today, our topic is You Should Have Hired a Woman. And your hosts are Stacey Gordon, Lisa Gates, and Thelay Thatch. Today, we're talking about gender bias in hiring and the things we can do to make our own incremental changes. When we talk about gender bias, it sounds like this large, overwhelming issue that no one person can solve. However, we know that if we each come together and do our part, we will move the needle. So... I am looking forward to this discussion because um, just as we were talking about it, we had a lot of really interesting statistics and information to bring to you. And uh, one of the first things we started talking about is why? Why should you have hired a woman? So who wants to take that? Notice how we're all silent. Um, <laughs> why? 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 There's it's so, many so obvious why. to us, right? <laughs> so I want to talk about the legal reasons why. So, all right. Yes, Miss Public That's Policy so, here, who is working yes, on her PhD yes. and is, you know, That's working right. on public PhD. policy, who just got voted yes. in today to what was it, Thelia? Volunteer of the Year for the Los Angeles Business Journal. Um, Definitely look for that in June. But I am I am excited to talk about this topic around why you should hire a woman. There's 50,000 reasons why and billions of reasons why because we make up over 50% of the population. But I digress. So let's start with the law in California, which represents most of the uh top 100 corporations who have offices here in California and how... Our governor passed the Senate Bill number 826, which requires corporations that are publicly held in California and located in California to have a minimum of one female on this board of directors. And no later than the close of the 2021 calendar year, the bill would increase and require a minimum number of two female directors, and then it increases again to uh, require three female directors. And my favorite part, if you don't do it in your corporation, you will be fined over $100,000 with fines going up to $300,000. So there you go. That's why you need to hire a woman. (laughs) So, but seriously, um, I like what we were talking about uh, earlier, Stacey, about, you know, having a succession plan so that companies can be prepared for this need to have women in corporate roles. And um, even though I think there's so many capable women right now, this moment, without, you know, a succession plan that uh, have been running, you know, boards, running households, running, you know, governments, there's still an opportunity for corporations to make sure they have the right women in board seats within their organization. So how about that for a reason? Is that a good reason? Well, and that bill is set to scale up, right? So that's the whole that's the whole point is that a lot of these companies aren't doing anything now. And they don't realize right. that you're not doing anything now. What do you think is going to happen in 2021 or 2022 when you have to have two or three women on a board? If you have zero now, how are you going to get to three in, what, two years? 
And a lot of companies are not thinking about these things. Um, And the fact that we have to force the hand of these companies to make them hire women is really appalling because it's not to say that there aren't qualified women right now who can sit in those board seats. They are there. Problem is bias, right? Like that's what comes into play is we start to realize that uh, the gender bias that um, is there because when we look at uh, the small number of women who are on, uh, who are corporate directors, it's less than 20%, right? But yet, uh, women are responsible for almost 80% of all consumer spending, right? Right. So here right. we have these companies that are creating products for women, used by women, and they're being, decisions are being made by men. Like, right. So and the... Interesting thing about it is the companies and corporations actually perform better when women serve on their boards of directors and when women are in senior roles. And this has been proven over and over again through research and and numerous studies. Well, I think what's really funny about interesting slash funny is if you you'll be levied a fine of one hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars if you don't have. Uh, uh, don't include women on your boards, right? But the impact of having women on your boards increases your productivity and your revenue and, and you know, increases for you. So one way or the other, it's either going to add money to your pocket or it's going to take it away. So you might as well get on board. Right. Right. And I think, you know, our episode today, we're talking about you should have hired a woman, right? So we're talking about corporate boards, but let's bring it down to just every day, right? Women listening to this podcast, they want to get hired. They know with certainty that there are certain jobs that they have not gotten because they were a woman, because they um, there's a higher likelihood, right? That they might get pregnant. I mean, heaven forbid you have a baby. Um, and when you're in childbearing years, your wages are lower. So, What do we say to women who are listening and who are trying to get companies to understand that they should be hired? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as an HR person, we definitely know the rule that you cannot discriminate, you know, based on gender and based on um, maternity or even paternity reasons. But the reality is, as an HR person, being, you know, working in different industries and being in the room, it happens all the time. So I am fortunate enough to have people like Stacey and Lisa in my life to, you know, give me tips on how to deal with these, this big elephant in the room to make sure that you're protecting yourself when you go into an interview and making sure you're not only protecting yourself, but how do you secure the job when you have this inkling that they may discriminate against you because you are either a woman or how many women or how many times have we interviewed for positions and we're pregnant and we know that. Yeah, me too. I, yes, me too. Hashtag me too. Hashtag me too. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? How do you deal with that? So, Lisa, I definitely lean on you for this. How do you go into the room and make sure that you negotiate that job, even though you're not sure if there are going to be women? 
um, that will be interviewing you or, you, you know, know well, how there's a I think the pregnancy, the pregnancy issue is different than um, most of the other issues, I think. Mm-hmm. For me now today interviewing, I wouldn't say a word about it. It's none of their business. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I, know, I know women lawyers who um, want to rise up in their careers, want to be hired, first of all, but want to rise up. Uh, and don't want to be judged for having a family. So they have no photos, no pictures, no Mm -hmm. indicators anywhere in their office that they have even husbands, right? So it's just this this neutral space. So Can I I pause you right there? I'm so sorry. That is really sad. Yeah. Like as you were saying that, I felt sad. Mm -hmm. They can't even go into work and put pictures of their family. Well, and what we need to do is not feel sad, but we need to get mad. Okay. Right? Okay. The, Back to mad. Back I get to mad. We did the you should have stayed calm episode already, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we're done staying calm. We okay. said it earlier. No more sad. of the workforce are women. We have got to realize the power in numbers. We have got to kind of stop waiting for permission right, from our right. company, and we have to start demanding rights. And I think right. that it's important that we, we start to, to realize that there's power in numbers. Right, and right. normalizing, yeah. normalizing. So, again, the, the female lawyer, uh, it, it, so what if that woman decided, well, you know, I'm just going to be who I am. I'm going to have my family plastered all over the place, and you should too. And so when when if and when judgment occurs, um, you know, that, that, that you call it out. Um, but I'm being a little bit Pollyanna here because, you, you know, that's, that's an industry that is still pretty in the dinosaur ages in terms of diversity, opportunity. Um, uh, women lawyers are more likely to be paid quite a bit less than their male counterparts, especially in partnership. And then, of course, you add color to that and it changes the texture yet again. I read a statistic just the other day. I don't even know. I was scrolling. You know how you go through and you see all these news feeds and I was on LinkedIn and I saw an article. I did not read it. So in all fairness, I did not read it, but I'm going to throw out the stat because it said that 50, that uh, women partners earn 50% less than male partners. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and that's across many of the professions, you know, accounting, law, that, you know, um, kind of the higher up the food chain you go and the higher up you go in partnership, the bigger the disparity. And right. that is not about asking. <laughs> These sort of women. So let me, let me just, that's, thank you for sharing that. But as I'm, as I'm listening to you, you're absolutely right. You know, we have to not be sad, but be mad. And I think about the bill that I just talked about in a bill number 826. And the only reason that it was passed was it was a result of these women of us marching and fighting and saying that we weren't going to take it anymore. And that drew the attention of the, you know, the governor, the current governor and people who voted for this bill. But on the same side, there were women who were against the bill and felt that having a law that mandated how many women should be on boards was condescending. 
quote unquote. Like there were people I won't mention the name, but there were. So how did you know? Last thing I'll say, I'll get off my is as an HR person, one of the biggest obstacles of women being treated fairly in the workplace were other women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so so how do we build that? Well, when you go to this, this, this place, right, where it's kind of like what um, Lisa was just saying is we get so used to dealing, right? I'm going to come in and I have to hide the pictures of my family. I have to hide my engagement ring. I have to remember to, t- to take it off before I come into work, right? And you just get so used to doing that, that when another woman starts to try and say, oh, I'm going to put up my picture, what do you do? You go, oh, no, don't do that, Right. Now, to the woman that you're saying that to, that may come across as, oh, my God, I can't believe she's like that. But it really could be a form of of protection, right? She's trying to stop. I think she's protecting you. Right. Because she's been down that path and she knows how awful it is. Yeah. Like the person who, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm not saying every woman who is an awful person that they're doing that, you know, out of some misguided notion, right? I'm not. Mm -hmm. not that stupid. But I do think that there are some vestiges of that. Um, And I do think also because of the fact that, you know, we're talking about women, right? We're not talking about the intersectionality of women at this point, where we have to realize that some women, let's just say it, some white women have way more privilege than other women. And Mm -hmm. so it is easier for some women to say, oh, um, I'm going to behave this way because they don't have as much to lose than That's other right. women who maybe do, right? Exactly. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, There's something I want to go back to and touch on that I think you, that's in that, that AB uh, in the California bill is what are the reasons why we should be hiring women? What do women do that, you know, what do they bring that isn't currently available without women or less available. Can you read some of those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really cool because you can go right to the Senate bill and as a part of the bill, they have all the different reasons that support the passing of the bill. And one is interesting. A 2017 study found that United States companies that began the five-year period from 2011 to 2016 with three or more female directors, they reported a larger earning share, 45% higher. So that's one thing. Um, just so many different reasons in general that, Let's back you know, up for it, a and it's all around a return. 5% higher? Like, that's a number you need to repeat. Yeah. There are no 45. companies with no female directors. 45%. That's an insane number. So, yeah, the stock performance, there's been a greater correlation between stock performance and the presence of women on a board since the financial crisis in 2008. So women, excuse me, companies with women on the board have a higher stock performance. And, you know, I think it goes to, it's like this invisible, it's this invisible elephant. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're talking over each other, but I, you know, that, right. if we bring that down into the workplace, you know, the, the sort of um, every woman in the workplace, why hire a woman? Well, it's the mm-hmm. same thing as on boards. You know, you have more diversity of thought. You have, right. um, you uh, tend to be more inclusive in, 
in seeking the opinions and strategies and solutions of, you know, multiple people at the table tends to be more inclusive that way. Um, what do we do? Well, the re- and, mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you go. No, you go. <laughs> well, what, what do we do if we notice, um, you know, let's say we are working in an organization and we're continually passed over. We don't get that promotion. Why are we not getting the promotion? Why don't, why aren't we getting a seat at the table? Uh, Like, you know, we control for things like, you know, um, my brand is polished, my, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. having influence conversations, stakeholders know me. Why can't? Yeah, my, why don't you get it? In my experience as an HR, it's really simple. You don't ask for it. And I know as a negotiation expert, you know this, but for the people listening, my experience has been women are sitting around waiting for someone to give them permission to ask for a promotion or a raise. And they think that someone should notice all of their hard work, just like, hey, when I'm at home and I clean the kitchen, everybody in this house should recognize that I clean the kitchen. Well, it's the same thing that we bring to the workplace um, that, you know, I have so many women who come to me in their career and they're upset because their manager or their director, whoever, have, has not recognized them and give them a promotion. And I said, well, did you ask for one? No, they should know that I deserve one. I don't mean that's one of the numbers. I, I know that that's been a problem, and I certainly know that in Women Don't Ask, that was a mm-hmm. big thing at the time that that book was written. But we do know now that women are asking, and in some mm-hmm. cases are not getting, whether that's a raise or a promotion and a raise. Um, <clears throat> but what I'm curious, at, con- really concerned about, is that person who is asking and isn't getting. So, you know, it's it, it, it looking at the sort of team constellation or the constellation in the organization or or the just the particular grouping of people that person might have worked with that that I think is suspect here you know um is it that most of the people on the team when discussing which person to promote really wanted somebody who looked like them right or or sort of one of the guys um, or one of the right. whatever. Um, well, I feel like that's just another layer, but I, I feel like, and I hear where you're going with this, Lisa, but I also feel like it's a, it's an extension of the first problem. So women, we may have to work at it in a different way, but the reality is people promote, like you said, people who look like them. So mm-hmm. there has to be a certain level where they get uh, placed into the in-group. And if we're not actively working to be placed into the in-group and we're waiting to be invited into the in-group or, you know, if we just don't, they don't allow us in the in-group, then you won't get promoted. Because the reality is the only way, well, I shouldn't say only, it sounds so absolute, but most people get promoted because they have a sponsor or a mentor or someone who wants to promote them. And if you're not a part of that person's group, most likely you won't get promoted. So I'm I'm definitely up for debate there. That's just been my experience. What I've seen, they have to, the short and simple answer. They have to like you, right? They have to I like think it's you also about 
It's about managing your reputation, managing your story, how you can, good, yeah. who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it, you know, the more people know what you bring to the party over, you know, as you bring it um, and not being afraid to sing your own praises and, and make sure right. other people are singing your praises. That's definitely a part of it. But I think it's, 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 um, a little like Monday morning quarterbacking why that person, why I didn't get the role. Um, we can right. certainly point in many cases just to implicit bias, not evil, just, you know, garden variety bias happening. But Stacy, you had this great point, you know, that, that it may be time for you to notice either you go sideways, you go up, or you go out, right? You've got to know, is this a time where I'm going to be stuck? That ceiling is there. It's not coming down. It's full of cottage cheese, and I'm out of here. Right. Well, and I think it has to do with, so we're in record unemployment right now, right? Now, whether or not those numbers are accurate is a whole other conversation, right? Because I get that we're not counting all the people, you know, in who don't have full-time jobs but actually want to have full-time jobs. And we're also, you know, not looking at all the people who should be employed that aren't such as recently, you know, uh, incarcerated, homeless, you know, formerly homeless, I mean, um, and we're talking here, and especially the people with disabilities, right? Um, So, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But as we look at um, record unemployment right now, this is the time to make those determinations. As you are looking for a job, you have got to be able to say, I don't want to work in this place because you know what? Something else will come along shortly. It might not come along immediately, but it will come along a whole heck of a lot faster than it will in a time of high unemployment. So with the Me Too thing happening, right? And everyone recognizing that women um, have power, we've gone out, we've been able to... um, as, as Thiele mentioned in the, in the beginning, we've been able to protest, make our voices heard. Your form of protest as a career woman is to say enough of this crap, I'm out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to leave and to go get yeah. a job someplace else, who, someplace else where they actually want your, you know, and value you. And in order to do that, you have to actually interview and interview the company. So we were debating before this right. um, before we started uh, recording today about this uh, podcast and this topic. And we were saying that, you know, when you are interviewing, if you are going on these round robin interviews and everyone that you're interviewing with is a man, that's a huge cue and a huge red flag right there. And it's funny because we were trying to figure out, well, should we say, you know, will I be introduced? Will there be any female representation on this hiring committee? But honestly, if you even have to ask the question, I wouldn't even be bothered to go. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right? That's the like, best I shouldn't even right have there. to ask that question. If, exactly. I, if I get an email and it says, you'll be meeting Bob at 1 and John at one thirty and Tom at 2. And, you know, it's like, okay, I've got five names on this sheet and they are all men. I'm out. Thanks, yeah. but no thanks. Let me not even waste my time. I don't know. Right. I, for me, you know, this is me from the outside looking in. I... I if I'm going to be an activist about my career at a time of high, um, uh, high employment, I'm going to say, 
when I see that list, hey, it'd be great to interview with a woman. Got anybody on the team? Um, or what, it, what, what is the makeup of this, uh, th- this team? Right. And I mean, I'm being facetious, right? But that's kind of the thought that goes through your head. Um, but my, I guess yeah. my point is that at, this is the time that if you're going to have that gut feel that this might not be the right place for you, it's probably not the right place for you. <laughs> and that's what employers I have to understand. I agree with that. Right. Employers need to understand that we have that power. And these are the things we're thinking about. These are the conversations we're having. These are the things that are going on in our head. And if you don't address them, you know what? Yeah, you might get some decent candidates, but over time you are going to fall by the wayside because all of the really good candidates are going to go where they are wanted and valued. That's right. Well, it's definitely a risk. It's a risk, but it's a risk worth taking and, you know, working in HR. I've seen the faces of hiring managers who don't like you asking questions about their demographic makeup or if a, if they're going to be interviewed by male or female. That could be a red flag to uh, make sure they put your resume at the bottom of the pile because, once again, uh, the stereotype bias that occurs with women is that, oh, well, she's going to be high maintenance. She's going to be a nag. She's always going to have a problem. Um, she's asking too many questions. Right. But, like it you said, I agree. Don't work there. I it, agree. Seems, it seems to me that, that, that you know, you in your work as an HR consultant, that, you know, wouldn't it be a smart thing to help the HR department or those who are having those initial screenings or second screenings to, or decision-making meetings to come up with a checklist that includes questions. Are we being diverse? Are we mm-hmm. inclusive? Are we, you know, have we looked at this person thoroughly or all these people, or are we about to make a decision um, to hire this person because um, they kind of fit with the current well, Right. Yep. Yep. So Lisa, that's a company you do want to work for, right? That does that. That takes a minute and reflects and they'll do a criteria. They'll have criteria. They'll have a checklist. But I promise you, I am not exaggerating. For all the companies I've worked with, almost none do that. They are scrambling. They want people who look like them. They want people who they think are a good fit based on their gut. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, HR people are spending a lot of time just trying to protect them from lawsuits. Like, okay, you can't ask these basic um, discriminatory questions. So, and I agree with you 50,000%. Yes, that's what we're trying to do with HR people, but we're also trying to get a seat at the table where they'll even listen to us to do the bare minimum. So that's been the struggle. HR people, please, you know, chime in (laughs) all around the world. But that's our fight. To even be at the table. So the thing is, the last thing I'll say, when you're at making executive decisions, even to the board level, HR has tried so hard just to get at the table that sometimes we won't challenge people at that decision level. But we're afraid we're going to get kicked out of the room. We're like, right. oh, snap. If we say something, we're going to get kicked out and we won't have any say. So let's, well, take, let's be quiet and just say a little bit. So that's my challenge for HR people. Try not to be complicit. Well, and part of try that, your best to speak up is the other pushback you get is if you say, well, we need more women to be interviewing, right? 
men will say, oh, but I'm not sexist. I would notice if something, you know, if I, I'm, I'm in the room, I would be able to, um, to d- discern if I see, you know, something that's happening. So, you know, right. as an example, I was talking to a recruiter about this. Um, so we were talking about some training that needed to happen. And she said to me, she goes, Stacy, what do you do when the guy says, well, I can handle it. We don't have to have a woman in, in the room. And she said, you know, the example was um, they were hiring some scientists and this male candidate comes in and he, they ask, um, how would you handle this particular thing, right? I can't remember exactly what it was. And he said, oh, I would just have one of the girls handle it. Mm -hmm. So now that's something that most men wouldn't catch, but a woman immediately is going to go, and have a visceral reaction, right? But a man might not catch it. A man might, right? But they might not. And so that's the difference is you have to have somebody in the room that actually has a stake in, Mm -hmm. in that behavior, in order right, to be able right. to be on high alert to catch it. And so it's really important to have women as part of the discussion to be able um, yeah. to focus in on, on that. Um, I think yeah, it's so Im- not only- important to, uh, uh, to move the conversation to toward what we women can do when we're either mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, interviewing for a role and close to getting an offer or... Um, or a promotion, like some of the things that we can do uh, to move to move our own needles up. Um, and one thing that I was thinking of is, you know, I focus so much when I'm working with women on on helping them understand how to calibrate, how to talk about the impact their results have on bottom line, you know, because if we're talking about, you know, one of the primary reasons it's good to have women uh, to hire more women is our impact on the bottom line. Well, you should quantifying your results and making the business case for you as much as you possibly can. Yes, I think that's the best advice. And it's so, you know why that's so amazing because no matter if you get that job or not, you're walking away with your integrity, your self-esteem, um, you're exercising professional courage. And I think in order to truly be an executive, you need to get comfortable doing that anyway. So I always tell women, you know, what do you have to lose? They're going to fire you anyway because you're not going to be able to speak <laughs> up when you need to speak up. Right? They're not serious. Like, like what? You have to. So why not go in there with that level of professional courage, asking for what you want, asking for, I never forget, even as an HR admin, I was just starting in my career and they didn't hire this guy. It's a really short story. And he called back, I think they offered him this make up a number, 60,000. He called back the next day and, um, and I'm talking about a guy, but it applies to male, female. And he asked for 70,000. And um, I never forget, they're like, no, we don't want him here. If he didn't know what he wanted the first day, we don't want him in here if, he, if he's going to change his mind on the second day. But coming in strong, like I know I'm worth 180000 and I'm not taking any less because guess what? You're not going to get it if you don't ask for it up front. So and, I and think it's this, a this time of, there, You know, and again, there's more fish in the sea, right? I, I, I right. think that... Other things that we can do, and this is me as the activist again, um, things that we can do to determine or ascertain if this is the organization you want to work in, 
and mm-hmm. find out about that diversity, um, you know, quotient is to say, ask questions like, what assurances can you give me? Uh, let's say you're close to an offer. You've been given a soft offer, right? And you say, what assurances can you give me that the compensation you're talking about here or offering me is in alignment with people in similar roles, especially men? That's like, a good one. Have the cojones to ask that question. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I need to write that down. Right. <laughs> I think that's a perfect question. You know, and as we're wrapping, as we talk about this, I think write that question down. Right. Say it again, Lisa. What assurances can you give me that the compensation you're offering me is in alignment with other people in similar roles, especially men? Right. And some people say just leave the especially men out if you're a little afraid of being that direct. But, you know, it doesn't have the same impact. And and further to that point, if somebody gets squirmish or squeamish or squirms when you ask that question, <laughs> they dither and they go, well, I, 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 you kind of know that, 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 you know, this may not be a good answer coming out of their mouth or it may not be the place you want to work. If right. they've got an answer right away, and really speak to the to the issue, the subject. Great. And then the other thing, mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to mention is to do deep research into the the websites and businesses that you're hiring for, so that you look at at the executive team and you, to the extent possible, you see well who's on you know the product team or this product team, and see what they mm-hmm. look like. Who are they? Do they look like you? Right. So, I mean, and I would say, you know, you want to be an ally. So the other thing we looked at is, yes, you might be in a position of power, but you're also a person who has your own career and you're looking to advance your career. And sometimes it's difficult to do both, but it's not an either or, it's a both and, right? You have to look at your career, but you also have to realize you have power. There's power in numbers. We have 50% of the workforce and we have to remember that. So be an ally to somebody else. Change the narrative from negative to positive. So when somebody asks that fabulous question in an interview and somebody else on the hiring committee says, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure that we want to hire this person because they're difficult, you need to step up and say, no, you know what, that was actually a very insightful question. I'm glad she asked it, right? Change it from a negative to a positive. Be an ally for that person in that that role. So I think um, those are things that we have to be able to do uh, to be able to, to move the needle. Agreed. I love that advice. So we hope that you got that question written down because you're going to need it um, as you go out and you're looking for work and or as you're hiring others. Let's please remember, not a either or, it's a both and. So let's do it. Do it, ladies. All right. Yeah, I'm Great equipped. conversation. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thiele, Lisa, and I are here sharing our learning and experiences with you, and we hope that if you liked today's discussion, that you'll share our podcast and listen in next time. You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Thiele Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.